You're listening to the 414 Creative Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Curtis. And on the show, we do a deep dive with entrepreneurs on all things business, faith, and how to build a lasting legacy. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Guys, welcome to the 414 Creative Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Our guest today is Michael Scobie. He's a pastor and a church planner. And I know just a little bit about him, but I'm really excited to dive into his story and the the journey that he's been on of planning a church and growing a church. And so, Michael, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate your time, and I'm really excited about uh, learning about what you're doing. And you know, we met once right at a yeah. networking event a couple years ago became friends on Facebook and we've, I've just kind of followed you uh, on Facebook. So tell us a little bit about, um, your story, your journey of where you're at now and how you got there. Yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's an honor to be here. And I love the podcast. Love what you, love what you guys are doing. Uh, you. as you said, my name is Michael. Uh, you know, so I live in the Woodlands, Texas, which is North Houston, uh, I'm not from here. Uh, I'm originally from Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana, um, and I grew up there. I was always a military kid. My dad was in the Air Force 21 years, you know, so I was kind of a military kid. When I graduated high school, I had a full ride scholarship to go to LSU for music, and that wow. was really what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be a band director or a jazz musician, and that was kind of my thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I felt like the Lord was leading me to go into ministry and I talked with my pastor about it. And, and we ended up, uh, I gave up my full ride scholarship. I went to Bible wow. college in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And there I met my wife where at her home church there in Jackson. And, and, uh, we, we got married and, and I served at her home church for a few years and we served together. And, you know, since then, you know, we've been married 16 years, which is unbelievable. I don't yeah. feel like I'm that old, but I guess I am. But <laughs> we, uh, you know, since then, we've done ministry all over the nation. I mean, from Ohio to Chicago to Texas to Florida to wow. man, California, I've spoke all over the place. And and I, I would just say this, uh, we've done ministry all over the nation and just kind of learned at every stop, every place that we were, we just made it a key to try to learn something from it, learn something from people. Mm. And uh, we ended up landing in Beaumont, Texas. And uh, and we lived in Lumberton where we were serving at Parkway Life Church, an amazing church there in Lumberton. And absolutely loved it, man. Uh, it was just a great people, great church. And uh, you know, Hurricane Harvey came uh, and anybody in that area, it kind of changed their life. And it was the same for yeah. us. It uprooted us. And uh, from that church where we were serving and and uh, we ended up kind of, to be honest with you, in a wilderness season. Mm. Uh, we were around great people, but we knew we were living in another state. We moved away and we knew that we were not living in our purpose where we were supposed to be. And uh, it's funny when my wife and I got married, I, I was a worship pastor. I did worship, you know, that, that was what I did. And I had no intentions of being a lead pastor or church planner ever in my life. And my wife said, when we got married, she's like, I'm not marrying a lead pastor. Like I'm we're not <laughs> ever going to be that. And, uh, it would, that it's, you know, kind of God humor, but it was actually yeah. the word that really spoke to my wife first and told her that we were supposed to plan a church. 
And she came to me. And I think that was one of the things that was most confirmation for me that we were supposed to do it because if my wife was on board, it had to be a God thing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that being said, we knew we were, you know, at that point we started praying about, all right, God, you want us to plant a church. What does this thing even look like? Mm. We've never been taught how to plant a church. We don't know how to do this. We don't like, how do you do it? Do you, you know, where do you go? And, and uh, so we started kind of putting it before the Lord, talking with elders and leaders around us and, you know, we were frustrated about where are we going to plant a church? Because, you know, for some people we've talked to, we're like, God gave them almost like a neon sign. You're supposed yeah. to plant a church here. Well, that was not the case for us. We were not like, we didn't hear, you know, God didn't send us a letter. And it was like, hey, go here and plant a church. We started talking with our, our leaders and, and many of them told us, they were like, look, where do you want to be? I, you know, where do you want to live? Where do you want to make an impact? And so, we started thinking about that and we picked four different locations around the state of Texas because that is the closest thing to heaven uh, as right. possible. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> so we started looking at four different areas and we really felt connected to the Spring Woodlands area. And uh, uh, long story short, we moved to the area and we started connecting with people just any way possible we could. My wife was a nurse. Uh, she worked at Methodist Hospital here in the Woodlands. Uh, I worked locally for an audiovisual company, as well as doing digital marketing. And uh, man, we would just connect with people any way possible. And we just started building a team of people, whether it was like a Mother's Day out with our kids or, you know, sports or restaurants or social events. We just started connecting and building a team of people that wanted to launch a church that could make an impact in the community. And so then it was just about discovering the vision of where we're gonna where we're gonna go, you know, who we're gonna be as a church. We ended up naming it Vibrant Church because that's what we believe the Christian life should look like. It should look vibrant. It should, yeah. Uh, when we think vibrant, we think different. It should look uh, peculiar. It should look uh, unique, where people are attracted to it, right? And mm. so our vision is that we're real people with a real passion to live vibrant life in Jesus. Uh, we, we, we really thrive behind this vision. We, you know, that's kind of our banner that we run with. We're authentic. Uh, we, we drive people towards our authentic community. We're passionate about serving Jesus. And, and uh, we want to live a vibrant life in Christ, which means that we're living out our vision, our, this vision of destiny and purpose. And so mm. that being said, you know, we launched in September of 2019, almost a year after we moved here. And so we didn't launch the church immediately when we got here. It was more about building a team. And we built a team of 113 adults wow. uh, before we ever launched the church. And so uh, we launched the church. And, and uh, in September of 2019, we launched strong. Everything was going great. And we were <laughs> leading up to Easter. And everything was going to go amazing in yeah. February of 2020. And then March 2020 happens. Uh, yeah. The pandemic happened. Everything shuts down. Well, uh, there's one thing, it's one thing to be in faith, like leading into launching a church, but it's a whole nother thing of being in faith, like leading into, okay, no one has ever done this before. Like right. a pandemic and like no one that's living has ever done this uh, as a church planner before. And so I will say this, our location was really a godsend. When we were planting a church, uh, we were intending on being a portable church in a school. We were going to load in, load out. Well, yeah. Um, if you're familiar with the real estate situation in the Woodlands, it's the second most expensive commercial real estate market in the Houston area. So wow. very expensive, very difficult to, to get a building, to get land, to anything like that. Well, 
In the middle of all of our launching process, a man on our team, a CEO of an oil and gas company came to us and said, what if we went permanent from day one? And I was like, man, that would be amazing, but there's no way we can afford that. Well, long story short, um, we ended up getting a permanent location from day one. Wow. Uh, and it was the build out was completely paid for uh, for our church. Uh, we never had to pay for it. Uh, mm. And so and the, the monthly cost of it was actually less than what was actually going to be at the school. And so we were in a permanent location from day one. And just to be honest with you, that was a godsend for us, because when the pandemic happened, everything shuts down. You're locked out of schools. You couldn't get back in school yeah. for months and months and months. And we were able to get back in person and start having services in just 10 weeks. As soon as our local government officials opened it up to us, we came back in service. And, and so, so at that point, we went like full court press trying to impact people wherever they were at. Like yeah. if we're serving them, we're giving them groceries. If we like hygiene bags, we made thousands of hygiene bags that just had like um, really there were anything that if you had young children, it was diapers, it was hand sanitizer, it was masks, it was anything that you wanted. We tried to get it and meet the need of anywhere, um, that, that they were right. So inside of that, we really rallied behind that. And in the next year after that pandemic, our church not only survived, but we thrived, we doubled in that time. And so our church doubled. We started impacting people. Hundreds of people were coming to Christ. We're baptizing people. Man, I've never baptized anybody with a mask on until a pandemic, bro. I, I had no clue. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm just yeah. you know, trying to make it happen. Yeah. But, so all of that led to we ended up expanding the current location where we're at, doubling our space. Uh, and this Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, we launch our second service because even in our new space, three months in, it's not big enough. We're at capacity. And so we're wow. launching a second service, just impacting people. And, and I would say this, people ask me, how did this happen? I would say, number one, it happens because of the grace of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And his favor. Um, but then number two, we built a team of people that are really bought in behind our vision to impact people. Right. This is not a, a church that's like a country club. We're here to impact people and make a difference. And, uh, you know, for us, we're just rallying behind this this vision of real people, real passion to make uh, to live vibrant life in Jesus. That is our vision. We're going to rally behind that and live it to our fullest extent. So uh, that, that is that's kind of been our story, you know, and we're just excited to see where the Lord leads us next. And uh, we we're seeing, man, I'm seeing atheists come to the Lord. I'm seeing wow, people that's that awesome. backslid and walk away. They walked away from the Lord. They came back marriages put back together, uh, people, you know, stepping into their calling, developing people into, you know, business leaders, CEOs, COOs that are, I mean, their businesses are signing record breaking deals, not because of us, but because they're discovering their own design and how mm. God made them. And they're stepping into it and the Lord is blessing them. And so we really do believe uh, that the Lord wants to give favor. He wants to bless people in that purpose and design. And so it's my job, according to Ephesians, to help them discover the body of the Christ, the body of Christ to discover why they were made and how to step into that. And I, that's, that's truly what I see my role is as a pastor. Wow. That's awesome, dude. That's so good. Um, let's, I want to try, I want to go back a little bit. You said that you, you and your wife went through a wilderness season. What are some of the biggest takeaways, the lessons that you've learned in that wilderness and wilderness season 
that you feel like would be beneficial for people who are currently going through a wilderness season? That's a really great question. And so many things popped to my mind that we learned in that season. The first thing I want to say is that uh, we were around great people. It wasn't that the wilderness season was, we were around awful people. We were around yeah. amazing, great leaders that had done amazing things for the kingdom. Uh, but the things that we learned inside of that is that number one, to be faithful right where you are, mm. right? I, you can only take care of doing the next right thing, right? Yeah. And so sometimes uh, we want to get what we've, what I've learned about the purpose and design of that the Lord gives us is that typically he doesn't give us the whole loaf of bread at one time. He's going to drop breadcrumbs little bit by little bit. And too many times we want the whole loaf, but we're not willing to pick up the one breadcrumb. Yeah. And so for me, I wanted to, my family, as difficult as it was, we wanted to focus on picking up the next breadcrumb so we could build and get ready to, you know, be ready for the loaf, right? And so I would encourage, number one, anybody that's going through a wilderness season, be faithful where you're at. If that's a job that maybe you don't like and you know you're not going to be at in 10 years, but you don't know what's next yet, be faithful where you're at and the Lord will open up what's next. I promise you, he never, his word never returns void. And faithfulness is like a key that unlocks the door to blessing from God. Be faithful to what he's put right in front of you. And then the other side is I would say, don't bring others into um, the wilderness season. Don't create a wilderness season for anybody else when you're inside of, right? Yeah. So like for us, we were in a wilderness season, but it didn't do any good for us to just walk around and be depressed and be upset all the time and be like, Oh, this is the worst ever. Like all that does is bring people down around you. Mm. What you can do is bring, bring a joy to everybody else around you saying, Hey, look, I know that I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet. I know that this is not exactly what I'm need to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to have joy inside of it. And if I can discover joy inside of the wilderness season, the rest of my life will be cake, right? If I can mm. find joy in the wilderness season, I can truly have a vibrant life in Jesus when I get out of this. And so that's those are just a couple of things that come to my mind. Were there specific words um, or promises that you had from, from God during that season that you really held on to? So... For us, yes, um, but they were very they were very vague in the fact that um, we had a specific niche that we knew we were supposed to do, right? Yeah. So for us, we were we were in a position where we were going to be elected pastor at a church that we knew we were weren't supposed to be at, mm. which was an amazing church with great people. And so we knew that this particular niche was not what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to go plant a church. And so inside of that, once I identified to some of my mentors that we knew we weren't supposed to be where we were at, we started getting calls from people saying, hey, you could come try out here. You could come, you know, be a pastor on our team. You could help us and you could pastor this church. And, and to be honest with you, it was very tempting to to even take those calls and to say, okay, well, this seems like a pretty easy way out. We could do this and, and walk into a ready-made situation. Uh, but for us, we had to hold on to, we knew that the Lord had spoken to us that we were supposed to start something new. And we had a unique vision. We're not supposed to go and be a campus pastor. We were not supposed to go and do anybody else's vision for our life. We were supposed to go and like 
there are some people that have in this particular area, and this is kind of, as we launched, we've kind of, the, the, it's kind of unfolded in front of us. Our church has kind of developed a mantle of a place for people with church hurt. Mm. And we didn't know that coming into planting. Okay. Well, leaning into the promise, leading into to what God told us to do, we didn't know that leading into this, okay? So we planted the church knowing that we were supposed to have this unique uh, niche of people. We had no clue that it was going to be people that had been hurt by churches. We had no clue that it was going to be people that had been hurt by, by their family even that were in ministry. We had no clue that it was going to be people that were hurt by money in churches and people that were in ministry full-time and walked away from it. We had no clue, but we 100% dove into that mantle. Once God kind of like, he just started sending us those people. Yeah. We prayed the prayer, God send us those, anybody that you want to send us. And we understand this is, these are the people we're supposed to reach. And so that was kind of, it was more vague of just saying, okay, God, I'm going to pick up that next breadcrumb, whatever's next. And then he sent us those people and we're like, ah, okay, God, I see what you're doing. This makes sense now. Now we can develop systems and teams and and how to resource and and love these people and and help them get back on track and help them develop their relationship with God again and help them revive themselves spiritually uh, in Christ. And so that's really how that has developed for us. That's awesome. I know so many times, you know, people have dreams and they have things that they feel like they're called to do or they know that they're called to do and having having a community of people around you that are affirming what father has spoken to you is crucial because so many times dreams and visions can get, you know, derailed because you've got people in your life that are saying, Hey, why don't you just do this? Why don't you, why don't you just go like right now in the meantime, why don't you go and do this? And there, you know, I look back on my life and, and knowing that, you know, my mom always supported all of my crazy, wild God dreams, everything yeah. that I wanted to dive into, she was just like, okay, let's, all right, let's, you know, but I always had just a select few of people that were just like, hey, you know, why, why don't, it's not working out. So why don't you yeah. just, why don't you just go do this for right now and see what happens? And, and I, I look back and I, I'm grateful that I stuck to my guns, you know, and I stuck to what I really felt like God was telling me to do. And I know that there's people probably, hopefully there's people out there listening um, that have felt that way. They've got something and, and um, you know, I hope that this story uh, encourages them to just find some people to say, hey, go after it. Like, right. just go after it. And I think that's awesome that you guys just stuck to your niche. You stuck to like, I'm going to do this. This is what we're called to do. Um, how was that with a family? Cause you have, uh, remind me you have two girls or no. So I've actually got three boys, three boys. Three okay. Boys. Yeah. Yes. So what was that like, um, with a family? I know your, your wife was a nurse, but, um, taking that, that step of faith and just, just going after it with a family. Yeah. You know, part of this that I didn't mention in this story was actually, when my wife, when the Lord really spoke to my wife and said, Hey, look, this is what's going to happen. Be prepared for it. My wife was actually <laughs> already pregnant with our second child. Wow. So my wife that loves security yeah. was the one that came to me and, and came to me and said, Hey, I think we're supposed to plant a church. 
which means we're walking away from, I, you know, I've been in ministry for uh, 18 plus years and previous to planting a church, I was in full-time ministry all of my years throughout that. So literally for me, it means walking away from a job, like walking away from financial security. And so my wife had always worked previously as well. So we're dual income family. I I would say this, that kind of going back to your last point with kind of sticking to it, you know, there's a little bit of stick-to-itiveness when it comes to, hey, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, but this is the dream that God has given me. And we're just going to figure it out. And I will say this, every time I've been faithful to the things of God, God has been faithful to the things I care about. So what that means is like, if I'm faithful to the dream God has given me, he's going to provide for that. And we fully believe that even when it comes to, and this is kind of on a separate note, but when it comes to tithing, like we personally tithe, our church tithes to missions, right? The first check that came into our church we wrote the entire thing off to another church plant before our church plant had ever been launched because That's we awesome. knew that if we were going to be faithful to the things God had given us, he would be faithful to us. And look, he has. And so I, I would just say with our family, from that standpoint, it was never, uh, it was not super easy, right? It was, there were times where my wife, she had the hardest end of this because Um, she would work night shifts and then come home and try to sleep during the day with a brand new baby and a three-year-old. And so, uh, you know, we were trying to make it work. And then I was working for an audiovisual company where I would do night gigs as well. And so um, when she was off, I was working and vice versa. And then I was doing marketing during the day. There are some times that you just, there are seasons where you just have to get it done and you yeah. just have to do that. But the thing I would encourage the listener listener today that's been pursuing a dream, there will be seasons where you just have to get it done, but you can't create a life where you just have to get it done all the time. It's not sustainable. It's it would not have been sustainable for us to live and launch season forever. Launch season was a season about six, eight months for us where we just we burn the candle at every end we could find. Yeah. And we just go, 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 go. Uh, to be honest with you, it's kind of a blur now. We don't really even remember <laughs> yeah. a lot of the things. But we knew once we launched this church, it wasn't that we stopped working. We kept working, but we have to cut back our workload a little bit. We have to figure out things in a different way where you you have to create a sustainable um, life uh, rhythm and pattern for yourself. Life is really never about balance. It's always about rhythm. Yeah. And so sometimes you're beating a drum over here. Sometimes you're beating over here. Sometimes it's in a different time signature. It's faster. It's slower. It's about rhythm. And so for us and our family, it was never super easy, but it was always, it's always been about finding rhythm. And even now we have to protect that because as our church grows and we reach hundreds of people for Christ, and I love that, that number is going to go to thousands of people. And I have to protect my family inside of this because my number one calling is my family. And so um, I I would say this, that I don't know why, but (laughs) anytime we're going to make a big life transition, it seems like we're going to have a baby. Uh, And so uh, when we were going to plant a church, we had our second child. And when we were expanding our building, we had our third child. Zero out of 10. Don't recommend that. Like probably not a great time to get pregnant if you're married. Uh, You know, that's probably not the best time, but it just kind of worked out for us. Uh, We're just going to add another kid to the fold and say, hey, if we can make it through this, we can make it through anything. So 
Um, and uh, but our kids have been in, in just incredible. They love the house of the Lord. They love uh, getting to be a part of the ministry. We, you know, they're up here almost every day with us. And and uh, so that that's been definitely uh, very interesting. But I would say this: bring your family into your dream. Um, mm, that's don't, good. Don't separate them from it. Bring them. Let them be a part of it. Let your kids be a part of it. Let them work at it with you. Whether it's a business, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a church, whether it's a whatever your dream is, like let your kids into it. Let them dream with you. Like uh, we've allowed our kids to speak into what our church could be. And I feel like it gives them a place and gives them value as well. Yeah, that that's good. I like that one. Um, I think our our children. I mean, I know, and I don't think I know our children learns pretty much everything from us. Yeah. And you know, we homeschool our girls. We're with them pretty much twenty four seven, unless they're with you know my dad or, or Paul. And yeah. um, for the most part, I think we have a massive um, duty to to raise uh, phenomenal adults and yep. not just a good kid. That's not my job. And I, I feel like you feel the same. What are some of the things that you feel like your children are going to learn from watching you guys go through this um, this building phase and launching and, and starting a church and, and all of that? I mean, I, I would imagine they're probably a little, little, little too young to really grasp some things. But I think as they get older, what are some of the things that I guess the question is, what do you hope that they would get out of watching you guys? Yeah, well, I it's going to sound really cliche, but I promise I don't mean it that way. Um, the two things that I, you know, that I pray for every night for our kids um, is that they would love the Lord. I want them to walk away. I, I've seen way too many pastors, kids. Um, like just walk away from the faith completely, right? Yeah. I want them to walk away from childhood and into adulthood, loving the Lord, like truly like having their own relationship, not just loving the church because man, let's be honest. They may not live here the rest of their life. I would love them. Like they could even live with me. That's fine. Like I, I would love for them to <laughs> yeah. live close, but they may live in, you know, Timbuktu. They, they move, may move away. I want them to love the Lord enough that they're going to want to be a part of a local church. They're going to want to be a part of his body. And then I want them to love people. I truly want them to care about people. And that's the thing that we try to tell our kids is that even when people are, man, as as pastors, you encounter all kinds of people. And some people are awesome. Uh, Some people are, you know, they're mean. Some people are feel like, you know, they, they say all kinds of things about you. Oh, you know, you're just the pastor. You're, you're just the pastor's kid. And they say disrespectful things. And I think my oldest is kind of getting into that age where people are, uh, his, their words hurt a little bit more. Yeah. So one thing that we try to encourage our kids to do is love people, no matter what, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they're, uh, what they say about you, no matter how they're coming against you, love people and everything will work itself out. Um, your character will always speak for itself. So love God, go all in on your relationship with the Lord and, uh, you know, be a part of his body and then love people, man, uh, no matter what they're doing. And I think that really cross crosses into no matter, you know, what, you, where you're at, if you're a student, if you're a child, if you're a college student, if you're, you know, a young adult getting into your career, or if you're retiring and you're just spending time on your grandkids, like just loving people around you and truly, you know, um, being an encourager in their life 
And so mm-hmm. that's what I want my kids to do. I want my kids to walk into a room and everybody goes, hey, that's the SCOBY kids. Not or not like, oh, the, the pastor's kids are here. Like I, I want them to like be a light to the room. And so that's what we try to put into them. And uh, that's the seeds we try to plant and let the Lord water them. That's good. You mentioned a couple um, times about your wife hearing from father about your transition. Um, and that's happened a couple of times in our family where, you know, there was a, I will never. And then there was a, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm feeling Holy spirit leading us this way. Yep. I think we probably should start, um, just telling father our dreams and to ask him to tell our wives. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly right. Have you, have you, have you learned that lesson and like, man, I really want to do this, but she's going to be completely against it. So I'll just take it to father and let him tell her. Yeah. Have you ever done well, that? Well, <laughs> inside of that, one thing I've learned is to, um, I will never say I will never, right? Yeah, right. That's the first <laughs> lesson for sure. The first lesson. And I, you know, I truly do believe that um, the Lord sees our hearts and, and he knows the desires inside of us. He knows what's going to fulfill us more than we know. And so he sees things that are in front of us. And so I, and, and I think women truly have a gift of being intuitive, uh, spiritually, yeah. right? I really do believe that. Yeah. And so like, even when it's dealing with people, I lean into what my yes. wife is saying. Like I, I will be that guy that's just like, Oh no, everything's going to be okay. Yep. And she's like, Oh no, you need to pay attention to this. And like, I, I have learned if she's paying attention, I'm all in, I, I need to pay attention. Right. Just because I feel like the Lord has given her some um, some wisdom and she's very intuitive when it comes to things spiritually. And, um, and so yes and no, I, I want to go to God and say, Hey Lord, will you tell her <laughs> uh, we need to do this? But I also want to go, okay, God, I'm going to listen to her because I know you're probably speaking, uh, as well as we lead our home together. Yeah. I, um, I think we have the same wife, um, because there's so many times where she's just like, Hey, and she points something out and I'm like, no, you know, it's, I don't, I don't feel that way. And then sure enough, it's spot on. And I think there's a balance there too, of, uh, you know, my wife knows what I'm super passionate about and she knows there are certain things that, um, that I know that the Lord has told me, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And she does a great job of balancing when the Lord is leading her to speak, but also to being willing to, to follow and allowing me to shepherd our home as well as allowing me to be the pastor. Because, you know, my wife was a nurse at Methodist hospital. Well, our church has grown to the point where if you know me, you know, I'm not very administratively gifted at all. Mm. And so for our church to grow, our church really needed her on board as an administrator. And so she was our first full-time hire. We hired her full-time. I work a full-time job outside the church, but she's the administrator of our church. And so we have this balance of working together consistently uh, as pastor and administrator, but also husband and wife and mother and father. There's a lot of parallel lines here where we have to work together and it requires a lot of communication and something that we're trying to, you know, we work on and try to get better at over time. Uh, But I think there's a balance of her being willing to be a follower as well as me being willing to be a listener. And so if we work that together, I feel like that's where you find some peace and some balance. Yeah, what is one of the I say one of the, like the biggest challenges that you you faced 
you guys have faced or working on or have overcome um, bringing her on as administrator and you being a pastor and then being husband and wife and like all of that, you know, it's almost kind of like um, marriage and business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would say this. Um, one thing that I feel like I really am good at is allowing, empowering people to do what they're good at and getting out of their way. Right. I do not want to be mixing a stew that I don't have the recipe for. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's it's truly like administratively, she is super gifted. And so what I want to do is give her the tools to do that. And I get out of her way. Like mm. I'm not going to speak into the things that she's doing unless there's she asked me to or there's some things directively that as the lead that I need to do. Yeah. But for the most part, I let her do her thing and and roll. Now, I will say that it does. Um, create some freedom to allow. Uh, I, I have a separate full time job as well that I work at the church. And so it's online digital marketing. And so I, it allowed me to kind of separate myself from the church world and kind of do other work for a little bit. Um, but I, I want to completely for us for this to work. I could not be all up in her business stirring what she's doing. Okay. Right. I, could not, I need to say this is the job we need done organizationally from as the pastor, you're the administrator. This is the job we need done. I'm going to like you, that's your lane run. And so if there's a form that needs to be built out on the website, I really don't want to be involved in the coding of that form. I have no clue. Like, <laughs> why, why do I need to be involved in that? I don't need, like, I have no need to be there. I'm going to empower her and I'll let her run with it. And, and then I'm going to support her and encourage her. That's something I'm trying to work on is just, uh, making sure that as her boss, I'm encouraging her, right? As, yeah. as her boss, I, it'd be really easy for my, for me to go to my other employees and say, Hey, look, you're doing an amazing job. And I skip right over my wife because I expect her to know, Hey, you're doing a great job. You're my wife. I need to tell her. And, and that's something I'm trying to work on as a man, as a pastor, as a, as a, you know, a boss is make sure I stop by her office and knock and say, Hey, I just want you to know, I appreciate how organized you keep us yeah. because for a church our size, our systems are pretty rocking, and you you do a great job at that. And something I'm trying to work on as a boss and as a pastor and as a man. Yeah, that's good. You briefly touched on this earlier, um, but I'll, if you could dive into kind of like the the core beliefs and structure of the church itself. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a non-denominational church uh, right here in the Woodlands, and uh, so we launched. Uh, with an organiz organization that plants life-giving churches. And so for us, uh, you know, we, we are a life-giving, spirit-filled church. We truly believe uh, that, number one, everybody is, a, is born to sin naturally. That is our natural fleshly um, inclination, and that all of us need the grace of Jesus Christ. And what that means is that we need to turn our life over to Him, and we need to operate in the Spirit uh, with the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so uh, we want to see everybody give their life to Jesus, be baptized in the name of Jesus for remission of sin, as the word of God says, and then ultimately to, to live a life where you're putting your head on the pillow at night and you know that you made an impact in somebody's life. Um, for us, uh, something I'm very proud of is that we're a church uh, not with life groups, but we're a, ch a church of life groups. Like we're mm. rebuilding our entire church around community. And so we actually have more people that are attend our life groups than attend on Sunday. And I'm very proud of that. Uh, we have more people in our life groups than attend on Sunday. What that means is more people are diving into community and getting to like, that's how you 
you disciple each other, right? And so I'm here to build disciples. That's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to build a building. I'm not here to, you know, have fancy lights. Uh, you know, I'm not here to, you know, build, you know, a castle. I'm here to build his kingdom. And yeah. so inside of that, uh, truly, you know, kind of one of the core tenets that we stand on is com- being a community of faith, a community of faith in Jesus. And so um, truly standing on that, making sure that people are developing and, uh, you know, inside of that, we're going to grow long term. That's why we're launching a ministry college. We're going to go. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're launching a ministry college this fall right inside of this church an accredited ministry college through uh, DLI, Destiny Leadership Institute and uh, Southeastern University. Um, and we're going to develop leaders that are going to impact people here. But also we're going to send people out to other churches, send people out as missionaries, send people out as church planners. Uh, we have a reach that's far beyond the woodlands, and uh, we're going to be able to to take advantage of that to make a difference for the kingdom. That's awesome. So launching the the university, was that out of you just seeing a need um, in in your community, uh, like in your congregation, people like asking, hey, or was it just something that you felt like you needed to do and you're just going to, you know, see see how it goes? Yeah, so we definitely felt a need for our church um, because what we what was happening is we were developing young leaders, and they were going away to other colleges and people that felt like they were called to ministry but wanted to be a part of something that was accredited. And so, in fact, this beginning of this uh, previous school year, uh, we had five percent of our uh, our attendance, our congregation, was attending a Bible wow. college. Five percent. And so what that means for us is that, man, what if we could develop and and develop a program that was going to um, educate leaders and develop them inside of the house, but also have something that's accredited uh, where they could continue their education, receive an accredited degree. And we get to be a part of that. And they invest in the local church. That was what we wanted to do where they didn't. And from the cost point, we want the cost standpoint, we wanted to develop something that was not going to uh, break the bank, that they could stay home, they could attend other college, do it on a part-time basis. And that's what we've done. Vibrant College is a part, uh, it's a part-time college where you get 18 accredited hours when you graduate. Um, you're, it's two days a week, it's two years, it's four semesters. Uh, you get 18 fully accredited hours that you can transfer out to SEU, but it's only two days a week. You can attend other college um, inside of that. And you can even do all of your coursework online attached with a practical internship where you serve at Vibrant Church. And so if you do feel like, you know, Vibrant College is all about, it's developing these people, right? So it could be the person that's 18 that feels like they're called into vocational ministry. But we also have people that are applying for Vibrant College that are 40 and 50 and and just feel like the Lord wants to develop them into doing something else in the local church. And they want to invest in that. That's great. Wherever they're at, we're going to make that practical internship, that lane of where they're at. So if they feel like the Lord is calling them to preach, they're going to sit in our sermon planning meetings. If the Lord is calling them into developing as a worship leader or in kids ministry, they're going to develop with our kids ministry and our kids, uh, our kids pastor, that whatever that is, we're going to help them. If it's outreach, they're going to team up with our outreach department. They're going to get out there and, and let's go feed the hungry. Let's go clothe the naked. Let's go uh, take care of homeless people. Let's let's that's what we're going to do. And uh, and so it's really about, once again, grabbing that next breadcrumb and helping anybody else do that. 
And so that's what Vibrant College is going to be out. And we get to do that at a price point that's one fourth of a Bible college that offers very similar uh, accredited hours when they graduate. So what normally it would cost about, uh, you know, 14 grand a year uh, for them to attend that. Well, we're able to offer that for $3,000 a year and wow. so and, and invest in these students' lives. And so we love that. We love that we get the opportunity to do that and know that it's going to make a difference. That's awesome. Is this something that's available just to your congregation or can anyone apply and, and do they have to be local? Is it online? Yeah. So currently it is uh, only available to churches that are local to us okay. uh, because it will be in-person uh, teaching and training. Oh, okay. uh, what we do is instead of an internship at Vibrant Church, we if they're at another local assembly, what we never would want to do is have leaders come into Vibrant College and start attending Vibrant Church. We want to yeah. develop leaders at their local church. So what we would do is have them come to Vibrant College, but they would be required to intern at their own local assembly. So they would go back to their home church. And I want to be a blessing to their church and never want to take away any leaders from any great church locally, because this is part of us not building a castle. We're building the kingdom. So if we can develop leaders that are going to go home and go, you know, impact a church in Cyprus or impact a church in Kingwood or even right here in the Woodlands, if it's another church locally right here in the Woodlands, that's awesome. We celebrate that. We're on the same team here. And so, that's cool. I, but that's why it's, it's only local uh, right now, but I'm sure it will expand over time. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'll, we'll put some information in the show notes for sure. So if you're listening and you're local to the Woodlands area, uh, it's something that you feel really interested in, uh, be sure to check it out. So check the show notes for that. Um, let's let's kind of dive into, um, you know, starting a church. And, you know, you mentioned in the, in the you know, earlier on about... Um, really ministering to people who have church hurt and, and, you know, I experienced that being in ministry and, um, you know, walked away. I wouldn't say I walked away from my faith. I walked away from, from, from the majority of, of what church had to offer. And, you know, deconstruction has been a big thing in the, in the, the past couple of years. And I personally went through some deconstruction, um, phases and, um, I honestly feel like it was really a healthy time for me and, you know, asking questions and seeking answers and what has, what, what are some of the things that you feel like the, the younger generation, um, the current generation and that have, you know, had a kind of like a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to what I would call the big C church. Yep. And um, what are some of the things that you feel like has helped them kind of, you know, heal and deconstruct in a healthy way and to come back to a healthy place. Yeah. Well, as we talked about earlier, kind of having that mantle, uh, talking with uh, people that were hurt, uh, people that want a relationship with the Lord, they want to move forward, uh, but they just don't know how because they've been hurt. Uh, this, many pastors kind of look at this, uh, this concept of deconstruction and instantly the, just the word itself sounds like it's against the local church. It just yeah. sounds like it it's against faith in general. And so what happens is many pastors say, well, I, I'm automatically have a negative sentiment towards that. So I'm going to 
preach against it and I'm going to reject it. If you're deconstructing, you're backslid. You're, you're, you never had faith anyway. And they, they start coming against it in that route. And that's just not really how I look at it. I look at deconstruction like I do my son building Legos. Sometimes he has to tear things apart to build something more beautiful. Sometimes he has to take things apart and and change some of the way the pieces were set up so we could build something that's more structurally sound with his Legos. That's the way I look at what deconstruction should be. Deconstruction should be us taking a step back. Maybe you got hurt by somebody. You got hurt by a situation. You got maybe you're just even you just went to church all your life because your family just went to church and you just never knew the why. I think it's important for you to go back and maybe take some of the pieces off, take some of the layers out, maybe even take a step back from serving from a minute for just a minute, deconstruct the thing, look at history, look at the truth, look at the word of God. Here's what I have found is that every time I have personally, we, I deconstructed when I was going you know, into college, even in Bible college, I deconstructed. We just didn't call it deconstruction. Back then, they just called it, you're having doubts. And that's fine. Yeah. That's all right. It's just called something different. I, what I would, it was important for me to kind of go back and look at history, look at the truth. And here's what I found is that every time I've tested it, his word has come back stronger in my life. Mm. Deconstruction should always lead to reconstruction. If not, it's just devaluing. Okay. Yeah. So what I've found is that many people will come to me and say, I'm deconstruction. I'm, I'm deconstructing. Okay. Well, talk that out for me. What are your doubts? What are the things that you're walking through? Well, I don't really have any, any doubts. I just think the church is a scam and I'm just mad about it. And so I'm just going to go and I'm going to be a keyboard warrior and I'm going to rant about it. Mm. Well, at that point, you're not deconstructing. You're just mad and bitter. That's different. Yeah. That's valuing. That's not deconstruction. Deconstruction is when you have an honest doubt. Well, how is the word of God actually true? How do we know that the Bible that we read is actually historically accurate? What about all these translations? What about history? What about, well, at that point, you're able to get answers for your questions. But if you're just mad, you're not going to get answers to your questions. That's just bitterness never has an answer except for Jesus. And so you're never going to get your answer if you look outside of Jesus. And so if you're taking a step back to learn, I think everybody's winning. I think the church wins. I think your relationship with God wins. If you take a step back to learn and you go, oh, this makes sense. And I've grown, but too many people use it as an excuse to just simply walk away. Mm. And that's not what I support. I support deconstruction as a form of reconstruction, because I truly believe that if we test the word of God, we test God in general, he will always come back with an answer always, because that's what God does. And so uh, to somebody that's out there deconstructing right now, listen to me as a pastor, I support you. I support you at 100%. And if you ever have questions and you don't have somebody to answer them, I, I want, Josh, I, I, I would love for us to put my email in the show notes. Okay. Anybody can reach out to me. Anybody. It's Michael at VibrantHTX.com. You can re reach out to me. I would love to answer any of your questions. We are an open book as a pastor. I feel like that's my job. I should be an open book. There should be nothing that I, I can't come to you. And if I don't have an answer, we'll study it out together and we'll go on a journey because it's all about building the big C church and the kingdom of God. And so that's truly the way I look at it is that deconstruction should be healthy because it leads to reconstruction. 
Yeah, that's good. I um, contribute the just the fullness and the, the, the whole grace of, of God to helping me go through my deconstruction. My deconstruction was a little bit different in, in the fact that I never really questioned God or what the Word said. My deconstruction was more geared towards is is the global American standard church system doing the right things, right? And what I was taught growing up in in, in church and and going through ministry that was really mine. That was like, man, I just I feel like this is just not being done right and. And I was, what I was doing was I was aligning, I was, I was putting the church up to the word. Yeah. And I was like, is the church operating based off of the word? And there were a lot of times that the answer was no. Yeah. And there were a lot of times that the answer was, yeah, they're doing, they're doing a great job in this area and, but they're not doing a great job in this area. That was a lot of my deconstruction because I had to find a reason for me to be part of the big C church. Right. And it wasn't that I wanted to go start my own church because I was mad and all that stuff. I just wanted to see how, how I could support the big C church and be a part of it and bring others to it. Because I was like, listen, if I'm not going to enjoy this and have to overcome every Sunday, all of these questions, why would I bring somebody else into this? Yeah, you know yeah. something that's broken and and you know you know all this stuff and so um and I honestly think that there's there's parts of me that are still you know how are we going to make this better how do I play a role in helping the the big church navigate this current world that we're in um, absolutely and yeah. I'm just asking Father just to give me insight and wisdom and how I can play a role and play a part in a healthy way, not in a like conniving backstabbing, like, you know, cause I do not have a desire to go and start my own little, you know, underground backwoods yeah. church, which most people I think understand. that would happen. Um, in, I would say this, let me add this to that. I would encourage you to go back to the, anybody that's facing that same battle to look at the new Testament church look at them and and find a Bible believing New Testament church. Your church should look like what the New Testament church looked like. Go read the book of Acts. And if you can't identify some of the things from the book of Acts inside of your local church, then you might have some things that you need to talk about, or you might need to transition. I would, I, I, that's, that's something for us. We wanted to plant a church that looked like the new Testament, that they continued that, that it was outside the four walls that they met together and they connected and, and ate and they, you know, they fed the, the hungry and they, they clothed the naked and they took care of the homeless. And like, it wasn't just a gathering on Sunday where um, it was all about this show or that's just not us, you know, for us, it's organic, it's authentic, this community and, and, uh, you know, authentic relationships. And, and so I would encourage you, uh, like you were saying, um, I think it's important for everybody to say, here's, here's the new Testament church. This is where my church is at. Mm-hmm. And if there's some things that I'm not aligning with, we're always for us, we're going to, we're going to try to meet new Testament, uh, theology. And that's where we're at. I want to cover two things. That's really good. I want to, um, I'm I, as you're talking and trying to think of like, okay, how can we take this a little deeper? What are some of the things that you, 
like say three things that you're doing to align your church with the New Testament church. And then the second question is, is if your church isn't aligning, what is a healthy way of bringing that up to, you know, core leadership? That's really good. Really great question. Uh, the first question, as far as three things that we're doing to align, um, number one is that uh, we're going to be focused on community, not only inside the building, but outside the building. Uh, they went from house to house. They met in groups. And yeah. that's, uh, that's why we say we're not a church uh, with groups. We're a church of groups. Like we're, our church is made up of groups. We just happen to meet on Sunday. And so the second thing is uh, serving the, the people that can't serve themselves. That's what mm. the New Testament church did. Um, they sold everything that they had and gave it to the poor. Uh, I don't think that's tangible in our culture today, but I do think that we can sacrifice on the behalf of yeah. serving people uh, that need it. And that's what our church does. And, and that's why we have a, you know, a big missions department, big outreach department. We are very active in our community. And the third thing is having big faith. Like we, mm. we are a big faith church, believing that uh, we still believe that God does physical healings today. He does it. I've, yeah. I've seen it. There was a guy in our church who literally had a stroke in his front yard. He was dead. I mean, literally like drool out of his mouth. They told him, his wife said, there's nothing we can do. Wow. The church prayed. We prayed and the Lord healed him. And he's just as normal as anybody today. And Amen. the doctors say, I don't know what happened. Well, I do. It was, it was, you know, it wasn't that our faith changed things, but it was that God changed things. And we had faith in that God. And mm. so, and so that's the kind of the three things that I would say, uh, we, we're a big faith church, three things that, you know, we, yeah. we live out as far as how to approach a leader. I always love, I can only speak for me here Yeah. as a pastor. I love when people have questions, that means they're thinking about it and it's more than surface level, right? They're going deeper. And mm -hmm. I love that as a pastor, that's a win for me. Okay. So when people say, they come to me and say, Hey, why do we do this? Like, why is this the way that we do this? Why, why do we have this? Why do we set this standard? Why do we worship this way? Why do we use lights? Why do we do all these things? Why, why do we not do this? Why? I'm always going to either give a New Testament Bible reason. Okay. All right. Well, why do we use lights? I don't have a New Testament Bible reason. For that. <laughs> you you got to be able to see the environment that I particular like, yeah. particularly like. Okay. So I don't have a reason that we you know, we use a stage that we use, you know, a keyboard instead of a harp. I don't have a biblical reason for that. Some of these things are more cultural and we have to be okay with that, but some things are not cultural and they're biblical and I'm not willing to change those. Those are non-negotiables. And, uh, and so when people come to me, I, I would always encourage them to come number one with a teachable spirit, uh, be willing to say, uh, give grace to the pastor to say, I don't know allow them to say, you know what, that's a good question. Let's study it out together. Let's go on a journey. Um, but also be prepared that if they give an answer you don't like, mm -hmm. you're going to have to make a choice. Yeah. Is this a house I'm going to align myself with? If you're not going to align yourself there, don't stay there. Okay. As speaking from a pastor, I hate when people leave our church, but if people are not going to align with our vision, I'd rather them not stay at our church. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Um, because I want people that are going to go all in with our vision. And, you know, for us, it's about making an impact on people. And so be teachable, allow them the grace to say, I don't know. 
and be prepared to make a decision based off of maybe not the answer they give right there in the moment, but over time, allow them grace to say, hey, you know what? I do agree with what you're saying now. I, we do need to make some changes. And, we, you know, let's do that. Can you help me? And be willing to be a part of the solution. And I, I think if we do that together, we can build a, um, a, a better church, a better big C church around the, around the world. And I think um, that would help everybody. That's good. I want to go back to um, the church plant, starting the church and launching it. What are some of the, let's say like the top three or top five things that you faced and learned, uh, learned lessons on overcoming or, you know, growing pains? What are those top three things that you're just like, they stick out, you know, you can rattle them off the top of your head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is going to be pretty self-explanatory, the first one, but number one is always be learning, mm. always be learning. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, I never want to get to the place where I feel like I know it all. I always been I, guys that have, you know, smaller churches or, you know, planted yesterday or whatever. I'll get on the phone with them and I'm like, Hey, tell me what you're doing. That's working. Like I, I want to learn from you. I'm always reading books. Uh, you know, I, I'm always, I, every day I'm going to read my Bible. I don't care if it's, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, like I'm going to read the word and let him uh, speak into me. I always want to be learning something because uh, that fills my cup and it allows me to pour into other people. And so uh, always be learning. Uh, the second thing is always give people another chance. Mm -hmm. uh, I always give people another chance. I, I'm just always going to err on the side of grace. Never want to cut anybody off. I never want to be that church. I, we will never ask anybody to leave our church. Uh, I just, I, I'm not, I don't, really care the situation. I can work through near about anything. Um, as long as you're not murdering people in our church, I feel like we'll be okay. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> I can work through just about give, give people a chance and I, they'll surprise you. Uh, and, and then third, um, bring people around you that are great at what they do. Yeah. Even if that means you're letting go of what you do. For instance, I was a worship pastor for many, many years. Okay. When we started this church, I was playing and singing, all right? But it was important to me for our church to grow. I needed to bring people around us that were that were very, very good at what they do musically. Yeah. And so sometimes it might mean that they're not going to do it the way I would do it as a musician or as a worship leader. I've got to be okay with that, okay? You can develop them, but allow them to lead, allow them to grow, allow them to go. Because if not, they're, they're not going to reach their potential, okay? So a perfect example is we have a guy that moved here. Um, uh, you know, he moved here from a few states away to help us plant this church. It was incredible. We had 16 people that moved here with us to plant. Wow. Uh, and so from all over, uh, really all over the nation, it's really awesome. Uh, but he is actually our band director. He plays uh, every instrument on the stage. But previous to him uh, being our band director, he really didn't get the opportunity to sing very much. But he felt like the Lord wanted him to sing, like he has a really good voice. And so we started developing him. And his first time ever leading worship was on our, our launch Sunday. Can you That's imagine cool. like, yeah. the, the pressure? Well, now he's like, <laughs> yeah. he leads like every other week. And he's a strong worship leader. And he, he does really, really well. And he's developing and coaching other people. But if I did not give him that opportunity to step into that, he would not have done it. And so um, I, I make room for people and bring as strong leaders as possible with you. Like 
find somebody that's going to, when you, when you're identifying talent, don't find the people that, um, that are necessarily super talented, find the people that are lighting up the room. Okay. So for me, when I was kind of developing what our leadership structure was going to look like, I didn't put the most talented people in our executive team. I put the people that are going to impact people in our executive team, the people that when they walk into the room, they go, Oh, I want to be with them. Those are the people I want on my team. Those are the people I want like closest to me that they're going to like, you know, that's, that's how this is going to work. And so that being said, that downflows everywhere across the board, what we've created is this culture where if you're being invested in by somebody, but then it's also your job to find somebody else and invest into. Mm-hmm. We've created this culture. We're all building each other. And if I tell you what, it makes a big difference when you know somebody else is on your team yeah. and they support you and they're going to give you a high five and they got your back. And like, they're going to, you know, they're going to shoot you a text or give you a call or they're going to share, Hey, this man, this, this guy's awesome. You need to know this guy. Let's go to lunch with him. Let's go play golf. It makes a big difference when you have people around you that are going to support you. So those are some things that we've learned throughout the time. That's good. Man, that's really good stuff. I like that. If you could go back and start again, what's one thing that you would do different? Man, that is a tough question. Woo! Um, I, I would love it if somebody would have told me about the pandemic before we planted, that would have been great. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, um, everything would probably go back to organizational structure. Um, I'm not a businessman and yeah. I don't pretend to be one. Uh, and so from the business side of things, uh, when it comes to, you know, buildings don't just pay for themselves, you know, you have to, uh, there's budgeting and and all of these things. Uh, I think bringing um, more of our business leaders into the process at the beginning, I probably would have done that. Our overseers outside of our building originally did that for us. I probably would have empowered our people inside the house from the beginning and say, all right, you guys are all in. You guys are going to help me with this. Dig in and uh, and let's do that. That's probably one thing that we would have done a little differently. I probably would have brought my wife onto the team a little quicker. Our overseers were telling us to do that very quickly and I hesitated on it. And mm. uh, and so I probably would have brought my, from the point my wife was brought onto the team, our, our church doubled that year. And so um, I, I can't argue with those results. And so, and our yeah. church has continued growing since. Uh, I probably would have brought um, people that are strong at what I'm weak at quicker. And, and that's, that's what I would have done probably. What was, what do you feel like was the thing that was kind of holding you back on doing that? Uh, you know, you want to be very conservative, yeah. you know, you, you want to be very conservative across the board, you know, for me, it, from my hiring my wife perspective, um, we wanted to make sure that we we're at a point that, that we were uh, financially strong, yeah. especially in the middle of the pandemic, right? We want to make sure that we're, uh, the church is not going to fold. And yeah. uh, when you're planting a new business or organization or church, uh, that first year is always the most volatile. And when that first year includes a pandemic, it <laughs> kind of doubles for that. Yeah. And uh, But by the grace and mercy and favor of God, you know, our church never wavered. And um, we actually, you know, we saw growth because of it. And so uh, I think too many times we, we, underestimate um what we can do if we'll just take that step of faith and trust god that he is he's got us man and and actually made these shirts uh in the middle of our building program we had no clue 
when we expanded our building, it was supposed to cost uh, $380,000. It ended up closing, uh, costing close to 700,000. Wow. We had no clue how we're going to pay for this, man. No clue at all. Well, I created these little shirts in the middle of it. And I was like, man, I don't know how, but the Lord said he for, said he would take care of it. And uh, these little shirts say, God's got this. And I wear it everywhere, man. Doesn't have our church name on it. Uh, if you want one, reach out to me. I have them. Um, <laughs> but, I, and I wear them all over the place. And sure enough, God's got this, man. Yeah. He paid for the building. All the bills are paid. Everything's fine. And everything's going to work out. If we just operate in faith, everything's going to be okay. That's good. I like that. God's got this. Um, mentorship. Through this process, I would imagine, you know, you and being in ministry, you've had many mentors, but did you have a, a specific mentor through the building of, you know, starting the church and, and building it out? And if so, how important is having a mentor in your life? And specifically, encouraging others to to get mentorship yes so there's two people that i could uh, point out off the top uh number one is my pastor pastor nathan keating at parkway life church there in lumberton that is my pastor he'll be my pastor uh until one of us goes to heaven and yeah. uh and, and that's and he's a great man he was you know actually the first one to, to invest in our church and so um, and he's always there if I need to make a call and Hey man, like I, I think one of the most important points to that is that number one, the availability of the pastor. Okay. Or the, the person that's going to mentor you, mm -hmm. but then also your, and we don't really like this word in our culture, but submission to what they say. So, so many times we say that we have mentors, but then we don't listen to what they say, or they say something we don't like, so we're not going to do it. Or yeah. we say, oh, that's really nice. Let me just get off the phone. I'm going to ignore what you say. Yeah. Like you've got, for me, literally my pastor could call me today and tell me to resign my church and, and, and that I need to come back to Parkway and I need to work there. And I would do it. No doubt. No mm. question. I would do it today because I know that he has what's best for me. Now he's not going to do that, I, but he knows um, he's pastoring me, he's mentoring me, he's leading me, he's shepherding me, right? And so if I'm going to allow him to shepherd me, I have to allow him to speak into the uncomfortable parts of my life. That means my relationships, that means my marriage, that means my business, that's, that's like whatever that is, I've got to allow him to do that. So he's my pastor. Now, my mentor is also one of our overseers. That's Pastor Monty Young. He pastors NOLA Church in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's a guy that I can call outside of my, my pastor that I can call and say, hey, man, I want to bounce a situation off of you. And he's always there, just incredibly wise. And he, oh, the thing I love about Monty is he thinks way different than I do. And so he's always going to give me kind of the, the uh, I love watching movies that are like mind benders, mind mm. twisters. that are like, man, I didn't think that was going to happen that way. I love going into a conversation with Monty because he's always going to change my perspective. And I'm going to come out of that conversation going, oh, I just learned so much. That is so awesome. I, I And it changes my perspective on things. Yeah. But once again, he's available and I have to be able to be like, I have to be willing to submit to, to that mentorship and allow him to speak into me. Mm -hmm. Allow, I think too many times we compartmentalize and we're like, okay, I'll allow people into this part of my life. But this part right here is off limits. This, my, this mentor is not getting this. Well, in this case, like it's like this game. You're not going to get past this level because you're not allowing anybody past this spot 
to for this to grow, right? Or this to be removed or whatever that means for you to get to your next. And so you have got to be uh, open, kind of an open book for your mentors to be able to speak into you, which yeah. is difficult in our culture today. You got to find somebody you can trust, find somebody that, you know, this is not somebody that you met last week or, uh, and, and to the listeners out there that you feel like you don't have a mentor and you feel like, man, I don't have anybody to speak to. I would encourage you this. You, I'm going to tell you something that most pastors won't tell you. You need a therapist. You need a counselor. Okay. Mm. You need some, like I 100% support counseling and I'm not a counselor. That's all right. Good. I'm a pastor. I don't come to me to counsel you. I will coach you and I will send you out to a counselor that I know and I trust. So 100%, you need a, a counselor in your life. If you don't have a mentor, you need somebody that will speak into you. If you're going through trauma, if you're going through abuse, if you're going through issues, like you need a counselor, you go to counseling. It will change your life. Um, that's a side note that has nothing to do with mentoring, but I just wanted yeah. to put that in though. I hope that's okay. No, it's uh, great. Yeah. That, that, uh, that topic has come up multiple times in, in, in our past episodes. So I'm glad it came up. Good, good. I, I would say this, find a mentor that's available and being, be willing to submit to them and be an open book. That's good. Man, I, I feel like, you know, this, this current generation coming up, would do so well having mentorship and you know i think there's times where i'm like man I, in my early 20s or you know in my early 20s i had a mentor but it didn't work out too well um but i feel like in my my late 20s and early 30s having a mentor would have done so much good for me yeah. you know and you know i have i have one now and just having this conversation, asking this question, um, has like, man, maybe I should find some other mentors too, not just one. Yeah. Um, it's good so, to have multiple voices yeah. in your life because you're going to get multiple perspectives and everybody is at different stages. Like my pastor, he's a little older. He's not old by any means. Cause I know he's going to listen to this. So not <laughs> old pastor, I love uh, but he's a little older than my mentor. And so my mentor is a little closer to my stage of life. And yeah. so he can speak things that, you know, Pastor Nathan may not right now culturally. And so that's important. Yeah, that's good. So if you're listening and you need a mentor, go find one. Um, actively that's seek good. one. That's, there's been many times, and I would say many times, there's been a few times where uh, I think, you know, I've had a desire to have a mentor, but it was hard to find one. It was hard to see somebody that, that I, I connected with that I felt like could give me some solid advice. And I think I'm, I'm walking into a stage in my life where, you know, I'm 40 and I'm not a kid anymore, even though I feel like I'm 18 in my heart. Um, yeah. You know, I could find somebody to rub shoulders with that could act as sandpaper in my life. And um, I think, you know, so if you're, Hey, if you're a mentor and you're hearing this, give me, give me a ring. <laughs> that's um, important we need it yeah so i have a few more questions and we'll, we'll wrap up here um what is what is some of the things what is something that you're believing god for right now in your seat in this season oh man that's a that's a big question right there um we we are believing for the lord to give us land for our church we are awesome. believing that. Um, and so we are currently in a lease space. 
Um, but like, as I mentioned earlier, our lease, uh, you know, the Woodlands is a very expensive uh, yeah. real estate market. And uh, we know that we could steward people's money better um, than paying a lease note, right? Mm. And but we also know that nobody would, you know, lend to a brand new church. And so we are in the process of looking at land for our church, and and we're just believing that the Lord is going to provide that, um, so we can make an impact. It has nothing to do with us building a castle. It's all about building building His kingdom. And so, uh, um, and then we're just believing that the Lord is going to continue to send us people that we can love on, that mm. we can impact. Man, hurting people, broken people, people that just need. I'm praying that the Lord send us deconstructing people, people that are just like, I'm looking for a fresh take on church. Do it, man. If you're in the Woodlands area, if you're in North Houston and you're listening to this and maybe you've been hurt by the church and you've been, uh, you're like, man, I, I want to give church a chance, but I just can't find a good one. I, I want to encourage you come check us out. It's no hassle guarantee. Nobody's going to beat your door down anything like that. We just honestly want to support you. want to love you. want to help you in your journey, help you move forward. Uh, you know, you can check our website and those that'll be in our church in the show notes as well. But yeah, um, we would love to serve you in any way, any way possible. I think for us, we're praying that the Lord continues to send us people to love. And if we do that, everything else will handle itself. That's good. What is one question you wish somebody would ask you? Hmm. Man, that is a great, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, I, I would say this. Um, okay, the question that I would want people to ask me is, you came from a background of nothing. How did you get to, like, you seem like life is perfect. How did you get to where you're at? First of all, my life is not perfect. Um, but I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed. I have a great job. Um, I have a great family. I have a great calling, but the, uh, you know, for me, I came from pretty much nothing. You know, my, my dad was a military dad, you know, church was not a huge part of my upbringing until my upper teenage years. And, uh, I would say this, anybody looking for success out there, it's going to be found in number one, um, finding out what you're good at. If you're wanting to know, you know, what your calling is, what your, you know, what your passion is, what, what are you supposed to do? Um, what are you, what are you good at? What, what is, what are you naturally gifted at? Number two, what are you passionate about? If you're whatever, whatever you're good at, you're passionate at. And then where can you make an impact around you? Mm. If you intersect those three things, you're going to be able to find your calling. And I think that's what I did in life. Right. I, I found out what I was good at. Well, originally it was music and I thought that was going to be the end of it. Well, I'm passionate about impacting people. So I yeah. use music to impact people. Well, then that crossed with where I could impact around me. And I just started impacting people. And then eventually they said, Hey, will you tell your story? Will you, Hey, I love how you tell, um, you, you preach that message. Will you preach here? Will you preach here? And before long, I wasn't a musician anymore. I was a preacher. And I, I, that combined with my education, you know, it, it, those three things just kind of came in together and it, it developed a calling inside of me and, and a calling that the Lord gave me. And so to anybody out there, that's, you know, you're wanting to know what you're supposed to do. Look at what you're good at. Look at what you're passionate about. And then ultimately, how can you make a difference right around you? That's good. Uh, last question. What is legacy to you? Yep. Legacy to me 
is something that um, it, it's it's going to be something that I pass down that my my kids want to live out. Okay. So legacy is never going to be about finances. It's never going to be about a house. It's never going to be about a car. It's never going to be about anything like that. Legacy to me is um, it's a value system to be lived out. Mm. Okay. So for me, for my kids, I want, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I want them to love God. I want them to love people. Um, So legacy for me is when I'm dead and gone, which hopefully happens a long time from now, I still think I'm, I'm like you, I still think I'm a little bit young, uh, but <laughs> uh, legacy for me is when I'm, when my, when I'm gone, my kids love God and they're going to love people and they're going to make an in, impact on their kids to do the same thing. And so continually kind of, you know, I feel like this should be a ramp up process, right? Where my kids, if I teach them to love God, um, they're going to, uh, you know, their relationship with God will hopefully go even deeper than mine. I mm. want that. They're, they're calling. I, I pray that if they want to be a pastor, that the Lord would open up a door for them to reach even more people than I'm reaching. Like, um, but that legacy of loving God, loving people, that they would have the influence if God calls them to be a CEO or if God calls them to be a janitor. I have a, I pray that they have incredible influence wherever they are. To me, that's legacy. It's not about the job. It's about the influence. And uh, so that's that. That's what I see as legacy. Oh, that's good, man. It's so good. Well, one last thing: where can people find you online? And of course, we're going to put everything in the show notes. But uh, where can people find you? And then where can they find uh, Vibrant Church? Absolutely. So you can find me on TikTok, on Facebook, and Instagram, just at Michael Scobie, and uh, you can find me there. And then our church, Vibrant HTX, like Houston, Texas, htx.com. Uh, our services right now are Sunday mornings at 9.15 and 11 a.m. We would love to see you there. There's actually a plan your visit page where we give you a free gift when you come, and uh, we make it super easy for you to check in your kids, pre-check your kids, and uh, we would love to serve you and your family. And, and like I said, even if you're not in the Houston area, we have people that attend our church online. We would love for you to do that. Be a part of our church. Uh, make it, you know, host a, host a watch party at your house with other people that are looking for hope. Uh, we would love to be a part of your life and serve your family. So uh, let us know if we can serve you in any way. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time out today to be on the podcast. I really appreciate, um, you know, what you do and who you are. Um, that one meeting for us was a, was a big enough impact for me a couple of years later, I asked you to be on the, on the podcast. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for, um, you know, leaning into the calling that you've got and the impact that you guys are making over there in the Houston area. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, man. I'm honored to be here. Pray that it's a blessing. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share with a friend and be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming app. You can find us at 414creative.com and on Instagram at 414creativestudios. Thank you for being here. It was an honor to spend this time with you. I hope you were inspired. Now go out and create your legacy.